I'm on vacation every single day Cause I love my occupation Hey, 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 I'm on vacation If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it Hey, 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 I'm on vacation every single day Cause I love my occupation Hey, 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 I'm on vacation every single day Every, every single day Talking Giants, Boys and Girls, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Today's episode, we're going in, it's an interview episode. We got Keenan Forney, who was an all-decade offensive lineman for the Atlanta Falcons, played with Mike Vick, but more importantly to us, he's one of Andrew Thomas's trainers, so we're going to talk a little about Andrew Thomas. I'm going to try and see if I can get the, uh, if he's playing left tackle or right tackle out of him. It was a fun interview. We had a lot of fun. I'm here with my co-host Justin Panic. Justin, how are you doing, my brother? We couldn't we couldn't make it two days uh, of vacation without recording an episode. And I was just stuff. I was just about to say that you know we we can't even have a vacation week. This was supposed to be our vacation week, um, and and here we are, probably getting one of the most fun interviews that we've had this entire offseason. We've had some fun interviews this offseason, but yeah. not only not only is this interview important. But uh, Keenan was also just a super fun guy, easy to talk to. Um, wish we could have talked to him for 25 minutes more, honestly, just about like himself and the way that he played and stuff like that. He even shared a cool Michael Strahan story at the end, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of our smaller like people interviews, but I think probably our funnest interview for the offseason. Tolleson was up there, but this, this was a fun one. Make sure to go follow him, by the way, and say like tell him you like us on Talking Giants. That helps us. That really does. Like, bombard him. I don't care what you got to do. Tell him you enjoyed him on, on Talking Giants. We don't really have any news. Um, should we do Giant stories, Justin? I know we talked about it, and, I, you know, I haven't been checking the stories since uh, this was supposed to be our week off because we already recorded an episode for this. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I mean, let, me, let me look at what I got. I got three, and one of them is flew to New York, and then I, one was R.J. McIntosh was uh, – using fireworks, which was scary because of a number 90 defensive lineman playing oh. fireworks on the 4th of July. Oh, deja vu. Uh, you could fish for stories by by talking about... Oh, was he also in Florida? Yes. Oh, wow. Really deja vu. You could fish for stories if we wanted to talk about Leonard Williams, which that, that's was, that was a little topic towards the beginning of the week. Shocker, the player wants to get paid a decent amount of money. That's a complete shocker. Uh, you could do some Corona stuff, but we've addressed that a Leonard ton Williams until next week. I'm not doing Leonard Williams until next week. Okay, good. That's that's good for my it's good for my sanity a bit. Um, some Balt- Baltimore Ravens came out with some stuff today about allowing fans, but it's only fourteen thousand fans, and I believe the capacity is seventy one thousand. Today was going to be the supplementary draft that was canceled. We didn't talk about it on Monday, but we're we're a part of Black Twitter with the Glizzy Gladiator stuff. <laughs> You guys thought I was dumb. Like, what are you even talking about, Glizzy Bobby? And it just blows up. We posted a video from the hot dog contest, and it was probably Talking Giants' biggest video of the year. 70,000. So, yeah, we need to just start catching on to black Twitter trends and just keep on jumping on those because those things go viral like crazy. My favorite quote tweet that we got was Talking Giants? You didn't like make up the term. So, somebody who was completely confused probably isn't even a football fan, but a huge fan of Glizzy's. Um, <laughs> probably I just responded with like yes 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 we did actually. yes we did we created the term what are you talking about 
We could talk about where we got our training camp schedule all set up, which is very exciting. Even It's about three weeks away at this point. Well, actually less than three weeks away from when we start our first training camp player profile projection. Sterling Shepard was the first last year, so I figured we'd go Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard will kick off our training camp uh, uh, player profiles and previews every year going forward until he is not on the New York Giants. I, I think that's a fun tradition. Because yeah, every because every year if we start if we start him first if we start with him first he's playing sixteen games and we don't have to worry about it. Right, right, all right, yeah, yeah. We don't have to worry about injuries like the second day. Like, all right, well, we already got his out of the way. All, all right, right, so I do have a take though because you know the season's looking like it's more and more in jeopardy. You know, players are spaking out like we shouldn't have to play under these conditions. Conditions we're risking uh, our health. And then owners want them to put money in escrow and put money away. And I just had the realization this morning that if we don't play football, it has nothing to do with COVID, Justin. And it has everything to do with money. Because guess what? We've been looking at these guys' Instagram stories and stuff. Every single one of these guys is going to training facilities and training with different types of people. They are not social distancing. They're not wearing masks. They're being around people. And I'm not mad at them. I'm really not. You have to train. It's part of their job is to be ready and be trained. But for the most part, out of all the players we've seen, none are really taking it that serious. Not saying that they're not taking it seriously, but they're being around people and out in the open. And I'm sure some, I'm sure the good majority of them are going to the grocery store and stuff too. They're not fully quarantined. I'm sure there's a couple who are, you know, trembling in fear in their home. But for the most part, they're going out and doing things and not just, like I said, working out and going to the grocery store. Some of them are going out and having a good time. And I don't judge them for that. And the owners, you bought a business. That means you take the risk when things go, uh, don't go well. And it's a business with contracts. So you know what? You sign those contracts. The players signed into bad contracts a lot of times. And it's like, well, you're the ones who signed the contract. The owners, you take the responsibility of lost revenue, not the players. Now, they will take the responsibility in the next cap, you know, in the, where the cap is in the next year. But for the contracts they've signed, they should not take any of that. And I don't think the players should deviate at all from that message. Don't say about health risks. Say no. Just be flat out. Be like, this, is a, this is a business that you took the risk of. You get all the reward. Well, guess what? You have to take the risk. We have short shelf lives. We talk about that. Um, the way deals are set up, we, you guys value youth. So we are moved out of the league unless we are at the upper echelon of players. So just I just want to remind people that if there is no football season, it is not because of covid or if it's delayed it's not because of covid it is a hundred percent about money yeah yeah you you saw the report today about what 35 percent the prorated salaries would decrease if there's some kind of uh any kind of any salary reduction or whatnot and that would come out of the players pockets um good giants take how about this bobby we'll spin it for for pro dave guttelman pro giants here for a second it's a good thing that what they did during free agency with giving, you know, the short-term contracts and not giving out so much money and not giving a huge contract to a clowny, not giving a huge contract to a Byron Jones, like a lot of fans wanted. It's a good thing that they approached the season like they did because I was one that was saying kind of go for it because the cap is going to increase anyway. Well, the cap may not increase as rapidly as we thought because of next year. And because of this year, the league not may not be making much, much money, et cetera, et cetera. But Bobby, I also think with your point, you, you were talking a lot about the players, but my whole thing is it's like, it's like, yes, I understand 
if football is going to be delayed, if football is not going to be played, it's, it's not going to be because of COVID. It's going to be because of money. You know, maybe those things intersect a little bit in there. But you also have these players, they have their agents whispering in their ears, telling them everything that they should do in terms of what they do with their money and what they do with like their professional selves, not necessarily what they do in their personal lives. That's what the agents are there for. So it's not like the players. I really think it's the agents and the players association kind of just in their ears, whispering what, what players should be doing and saying in terms of the actual on the field stuff, not their personal lives. So I get your point though. I hear you and I agree with you. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be any preseason games. Um, sucks i do it does suck but i it's, i understand it it's not like a regular year where they're just cutting them out we also missed um i think cuts they're actually going to be making cuts about um instead of bringing in 90 they haven't guys said to that camp, yet though nothing I, has been made official it's been it's been a lot of guessing if it seems like from beat reporters but that kind of makes sense though that it does but it's guessing at this point for me so what so what i'm talking about is you know we've read reports and stuff like that that instead of the Giants bringing in 90 guys to start out camp, they bring in 75, 75 or 70. So that's, you know, 15 guys that are cut when they don't even get a chance to play in camp. That could be a Rice and John. That could be an undrafted guy that we're really looking forward to. That could be a Dominique Ross. Who knows? Um, so, and that would really stink and because we really like some of these. Or we really like – we would like to see some of these guys play. So that would really stink. Rice and John gets a lot of shout-outs on this show. I feel like he's our go-to random undrafted free agent yeah. whenever we need to pick a random undrafted free agent. He's the next Ramsey's Barden. And the fact that he's from Canada is just a, a lot of weird stuff around him. All right, do, do we have anything else? I mean, we covered Glizzy. We covered, you know, some Corona talk. I don't like – we're doing Zoom now, which, by the way, there's another announcement. We will probably have video for when camp starts of our Soon. podcast. Soon. And I know some people have told us, like, hey, I can't listen to podcasts. I only watch videos. So we should have video. Um, might have some exclusive stuff for like $2 a month. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'd like to get some reviews up, by the way, too. I'd like to – we're behind one Giants podcast right now, and I'd love to pass them by the time camp starts. Well, we're behind two, but we're close behind a second one. So, all right, let's kick it uh, to our interview with Keenan Forney. We're not like doing I said, Giants stories? No, I mean, I already did. I did two of the three. Ah. One was Sandra Plattsgrammer traveling, and one was R.J. McIntosh playing with fireworks. It, it, there's no giant stories. Oh, I feel like people love the music. I feel like that's a big that's a big grab. Well, producer Justin worked very hard on that music. You know what? So it's good. I don't have to do it. Okay, great. I don't have yeah. to do it today. All right, interview. So Kanan Forney, training Andrew Thomas. I try to get the left tackle, right tackle stuff, maybe get some <laughs> hints at it. We have some fun. Here's Keenan. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome on to the program Keenan Forney. Keenan, you're a former uh, NFL offensive lineman for the Atlanta Falcons. You're an all Falcons. You're part of the all decade Falcons team. You played with Michael Vick. You've done a lot of stuff. But right now, we do want to talk about your career. We do want to talk, but we want to talk about you. With your Dash O-line performance facility, uh, you've been training Andrew Thomas, who is you know the Giants' first-round pick. But Keenan, how you doing, my man? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. So let's start it off. What is the Dash O-line performance facility, and how did it start? What's your involvement? And you know, kind of give us the the story on that. Well, Dash is just a um, it's a facility. Uh, the acronym is Developing Athletes. Starts here. 
and it's run by William and Alicia Lee, and they train high school, college, NFL, even kids in elementary school, and I'm their O-line performance guy, so I take kids, and, you know, if they're trying to, you know, be a starter in high school, or if they're trying to get them a uh, Division One scholarship or Division Two, whatever it is, um, or even NFL guys just trying to learn a few tricks of the trade so they can, you know, stick around and make a name for themselves, make some money. You know, that's that's what uh, that's what I'm there for. So it's just really a, a performance training center. And, you know, the O-line specialty part is uh, that's that's what I do. I like it. I like I know we have some offensive linemen, you know, in high school that listen to us. I don't know how many are in the, you know, the Georgia area. But if you're listening, you know, go check out Keenan. Andrew Thomas, though, you've been worked or actually let's start with your career. You okay. got to play offensive line for Mike Vick, Warwick Dunn, a really like throwback, awesome offense with those guys. You know, had Algie Crumpler at tight end, mm-hmm. uh, Peerless Price. I mean, you guys had weapons. Now, before you came, though, they gave up like 65 sacks and then you came in. Was it you <laughs> that steadied the team or was it Mike or, or what? Was in my opinion, it's you. No one Man, can take that away hey. from you, Keenan. It was all you. Oh man, hey, you too nice to me, man. You know, hey, I like to think it was all me, but you know, I gotta, I gotta give some love to my brothers too. You know, it was all the guys up front. You know, uh, Todd McClure, Todd Weiner, Kevin Schaefer, Roberto Garza. You know, different other guys that get interchanged throughout. You know, Algie Crumpley, who you just mentioned, Eric Beverly, who was a tight end of ours. Algie was course, as big as attack. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. The only reason why he played tight end because he had hands and ran a faster 40. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, we had Mike, too. So, you know, Mike can also, you know, get you out of trouble if you got into some. Let's be honest. You know, y'all seen those NFL clips of him spinning and jumping and ducking all over the field. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it was a it was it was a fun, exciting time, man. We had a great time. I'm just glad that I was fortunate and blessed enough to be you know part of that draft class you know coming in with Mike and Algie and you know helping to turn things around a little bit and you know give Atlanta fans some excitement around here yeah it's crazy you know to like you look at Lamar Jackson now and in my opinion it's like Mike Vick was a better athlete than Lamar the things he did now I want to ask you this from you know I'm an offensive tackle played high school college was there times where it was frustrating, where you guys did a good job and Mike Vick ran into somebody or got out of the pocket? I know that's kind of like a talking point with with mobile QBs. Was it ever frustrating having him scramble around when you guys thought you guys did a good job? Yeah, no, not at all, man. Because like I just said a while ago, there be you know, there's, you played offensive line. There's some time where you can sometimes whiff on somebody and Michael, you know, give him that shoulder, you know, dip on him a little bit and you know, get you out of trouble. So, no, I, I loved it. That's, that's a crazy question. I always get that a lot from people, you know, like, were you ever concerned about where he'd be? No, I didn't care, hey, because I knew he wasn't going to be there long. <laughs> I will say, you know, I didn't give up a single sack in high school. I'm proud to say that. But there was one time, like you said, man, where my QB was wrapped up and he had, like, this Tim Tebow mindset and ended up scrambling out. So, I'll, you know, I may have given up a what they would call a pressure and a hit, but no mm-hmm. sack. So, so oh, I, yeah. I, I hear you on that. Oh, uh, yeah, I yeah. love them scramblers. I love them mobile guys like that, man. And especially with your own personal story being a seventh-round pick and now you know, you're a part of the Falcons' all-decade team and you had a you know, you know, pretty long and successful career. I, I absolutely love love your story. But I want to go to Alex Gibbs. 
Um, Alex Gibbs was one of your offensive line coaches while you were a player, and some regard him as the godfather of, of a zone-blocking scheme. So tell us some things that you were able to pull from Coach Gibbs while you were a player, maybe some things that he did, and now that you're kind of a coach, you're a trainer yourself in some kind of manner, um, maybe some philosophies that you're able to pull from him. Well, first off, let's just say uh, shout out to Alex Gibbs, man. He was a great offensive line coach, and I love and appreciate what he when he came in and, you know, the mentality he brought to that group, you know, just his experience. You know, he uh, Alex has been all over the United States coaching, whether it was at, you know, Kansas City or the Raiders or even Denver before he got to us or even Ohio State in the college ranks. Alex has been all over the place and. You know, a lot of the drills he used to do with us were, you know, things that he picked up from players. And he would tell us, you know, hey, I picked these up from different guys. If it's good, I steal it, you know. So <laughs> I was able to steal a lot of stuff from him. A lot of that stuff, I use it with the kids that I'm coaching now. You know, of course, I mix my own little flavor in there, you know, with my own experience. You know, I cook up a little different gumbo for him, but I use a lot of the stuff that <laughs> that Alex taught me because Alex had a wealth of knowledge. Man, he was, uh, you know, I, I wish we could have had him longer because I know I would have greatly benefited by him being around us a lot longer than what he was. No, that's 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 absolutely awesome. And that kind of transitions uh, me to my to my next question, because now you're in this you're in this position of you're a coach, you're a trainer. And one of the things that we try to look for on this podcast is not just how you are as a football player, but how you are as a man and how you are as a hard worker, because that's one of the things that when we're trying to evaluate players, that's arguably just as, you know, you being a hard worker and you being a good quality of man, it's arguably just as important as you actually probably being a good football player. So you've had the ability to work with Andrew Thomas for a little bit. What is the thing that makes him that makes him tick? What's maybe something that you can say to him if you challenge him to a certain thing? What makes Andrew Thomas tick? Well, the good thing about him is that he's self-motivated. You know, there's nothing really you can say to him that he doesn't, you know, you know, that he doesn't. Uh, he's always trying to be the best. You know, he's he's self-motivated to the point of you don't have to say much to him. All you have to do is a. Hey, you know, hey, look, here, I think you should try this or you should try that. You know, like as soon as I tell him something or show him something, he'll try it. And boom, the next rep, there it is. As opposed to most guys, you'll try to show them something or teach them something and they might have a little hard time getting it. Or some guys can kind of be stuck in their own ways. You know, Andrew, he'll try it. He's a very smart football player. Let's you know, let's say that. You know, he's a very, very smart football player. He's able to uh, take directions right then on the field, make the correction. And, you know, if you show it to him on tape, which is what I do a lot of times, I'll film it or I'll have my wife film it or someone to film it. And I'll show it to him and we'll put it in slow motion on the tape. And before I can even say anything, sometimes he's already, oh, yeah, I need to get my shoulders back more. or Yeah, I need to uh, get my hands up higher because I got them out too low. You know, he's a. Uh, He's he's a he's a delight because uh, he just gets it and he's on top of his stuff and he's not motivated by money. You know, he's motivated by trying to be the best that he can be. The first time I met him, I'm sorry, let me share this story. The first time I met him. Well, not the first time. This was after a couple of times of working with him. I asked all the kids, you know, like, hey, what are your goals, whether they're in high school, college or NFL, whatever it is. I ask them, hey, what it is, what is it that you're trying to get out of this? And 
the first thing he tells me is he wants a Super Bowl championship. Then the second thing he tells me is that he wants a gold jacket. And the third thing he tells me is that he wants to play a long career, 14, 15, some odd years. So that right there kind of, you know, I didn't show it in my face, but as I'm standing there listening to him, I'm on the inside kind of going, hmm, okay, I like that because mm-hmm. it ain't about the money for him. You know, you're going to make some nice money you go to the NFL, you know, but there's a lot of kids, as soon as they get that money, they shut it down. They don't work as hard. How many guys have you seen get drafted for the Giants who you might have heard of and you're like, man, yo, this guy is going to be the next best thing for us. And for some reason, it just don't happen for them. You know, a lot of times it might be because they might just be overly matched. But a lot of times I'm going to say 90 percent of it is that they get caught up out there in the streets and they get caught up on their own hype. You know what I'm saying? They We're stop working that with DeAndre Baker right now. <laughs> he got himself in a little <laughs> trouble. We love him. We were, we've been, you know, proven innocent until proven guilty. But you could tell he kind of caught it, got himself caught up in some stuff. So, and what you're saying is something we love. Um, it's hard for us to see because we're not around him like you are. But spending a year with Daniel Jones, it's like, okay, if he fails, it's not because he's not a hard worker. Because that's the one thing you show from that guy is he is always going to put in the work. And like you said with, uh, with AT, that. He's always like the things he messes up on. He wants to fix it like immediately. Now, oh, yeah. the the this draft was a big debate with Giants and Giants land. Isaiah Simmons, offensive tackle, and then there was a lot of de- debate between the offensive tackles, whether it was Wills, Worfs, Becton. I was big on Thomas, and sometimes I felt like I was crazy because people were telling me I was crazy. But Thomas, I mean, he dominated the best competition and different types of players, whether it was Marlon Davidson at Auburn, who is a little more power, or Chase on at LSU, where it was all speed. Mm. And he had his way with him besides one play the entire game. But obviously, he's not a perfect prospect. So what is like one thing that you guys have been like, all right, this is something you need to focus on and you've been working at? Uh, Just a couple of little small details, you know, because, you know, Andrew's been the best offensive tackle for the past couple of years as far as college goes. You know, you just said, yeah, the first game I watched of him was the SEC championship against Alabama. And I the for, this is before you know 2019 draft or 2020 draft stuff just bored last summer, and then the immediate like was like this guy's the best player on the field you know and that's a, a game filled with a lot of pro players. Mm-hmm. He's been practicing against the best every day at practice at Georgia on Saturdays when he goes out to play. You know he was the best tackle going into the draft. It's just sometimes you know in the draft process you get a lot of different flavor of the months coming up, you know, and that's not to say those other guys aren't good. I'm not taking nothing away from those guys, but you know, you get, you see it all the time. You get guys that'll, you know, they come in at certain sizes and, you know, they run fast or guys come in and they blow out all the different uh, athletic testing, measurable type of drills that they can do at the combine. And to me, it always goes back to, man, the tape, all that other stuff is nice. You know what I mean? But look at the tape, the tape and the eye in the sky don't lie. If y'all have ever heard that term, you know what I mean? Like you can't make no, like you can say this or say that about somebody, but my old coach in college used to tell me, um, when you throw that tape on, that's your John Hancock. You know what I mean? 
Y'all right. know who John Hancock is. Got the it signature. Signed. The signature <laughs> on the declaration, right? The biggest one, right? Everybody say sign your John Hancock. Well, when you put the tape on, that's your John Hancock. Can't nobody say nothing. Oh, well, he wasn't feeling good this day, so he didn't play that well. Or, you know, on this play, this and that happened. You know what I mean? Like, they throwing the tape on from beginning to end, and what you see is what you get, you know? And with Andrew, that's what it is. And what's crazy is against the best competition. And you mentioned measurables like Mackay Becton had the fastest 40, and I like Becton. But what's interesting, and I, I would like to hear your point, I was always told the 40 is not important for offensive linemen. Look mm -hmm. at the 20-yard shuttle if we're looking at speed because it's yep. quick, it's short movement agility. And he blew out everybody, uh, especially, you know, at least at the top of the class. He was the best by far. So people were saying he's not, like the worst athlete of the four. It's like, well, no, he has the best shuttle, which is the most relevant to offensive linemen, um, way much more than a 40. If you're running the 40, you've done your job on that play, you know, something. I mean, you know, I don't want to – let's not take nothing away from Big Fella. He ran a fast time for as big as he is. You know, hey, I applaud him. But, you know, a lot of those – I mean, offensive linemen, we're not going to run no 40-yard nothing. <laughs> and, and like, all, like all, I said, if we are, it's because we, we did our, our job at the start of the play. So we're just right. running down to celebrate. Right, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, like you just said, most of those scouts, they care more about your, your first five, your first 10, the 10 yard split. You know what I'm saying? And all the other different little quick bursts, you know, right. drills, you know, the broad, like the broad jump, maybe and the, the five, 10, five and the L drill and things like that. But 40 yard dash, hey, it's nice if you can get out there and run it great. But, you know, who really cares? You were talking a little bit before just about when I look at Andrew Thomas, and this is just a fan, we're not scouts, I'm a fan who watches the game, I'm a young fan who watches the game, and obviously, you know, you can point to a lot of these other top tackles, and, you know, they have this thing that pops, they have this thing that pops, there's a lot that pops from Andrew Thomas collectively, but most importantly, he does his job, and he does his job, the eye in the sky, John Hancock, he does his job better than all these other offensive linemen, arguably all other offensive linemen in this draft class. Um, and that's something that, you know, really appeased to Bobby and I. And I'm sure that's something that you've seen. The dude just does his job and he does his job the best out of all these other tackles, out of all these other linemen. That's the barometer. That's where you want to be. Oh, yeah. You know, offensive line, you know, you work it in obscurity. You know, you, uh, you go out there, you do your job, you know, you won't get a whole lot of whole lot of publicity or press or fanfare from it. You know, you do your job, you kick the guy in front of you. You know, so I was I was about to cuss. I ain't going to cuss on y'all show. You go for it, Kena. <laughs> oh, man, man. You know, you pretty much, man, you just punch the guy in front of you. You punch him in the mouth all day and let the guys behind you get all the credit and, you know, take your behind home and get ready to go do it again the next day. It's a fist fight every day. I like it. So with Thomas, the left tackle of the Giants struggled and – uh, you know, the, the GM has said that when Nate Solder, Thomas was a, a left tackle. What have you guys been working more at with his reps? You know, obviously you're not, you know, going against, you know, a, a true defense in these warm in these reps in this practice. But have you been practicing more in a right handed stance or left handed stance or, or what? Uh, we do both because you never know. You sometimes you got to you never know what can happen in the football season. So I just try to make him anything we do. We do it from a left-hand stance. We do it from a right-hand stance. Okay. Has he heard anything from the Giants of like, hey, like, you know, you know, they talk about cross-training, but have they? has he heard anything from the Giants of like, hey, like, you know, practice both, but be ready to be left or be ready to be the right tackle? Because we I'm all sure know they have a good idea going in the camp of what they want. I'm pretty sure they have a good idea where they want to put him at. But me, I'm, you know, being an offensive lineman, playing in the league, you know, 
I know you're more valuable to that group if you know how to play both sides. So mm-hmm. me, that's just me personally. I have him doing both, you know, right. and, and if I can say this, he looks good at both. You know what I mean? Like yeah. both sides, it's 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 really hard to tell which one he's not very good at. But I mean, he's a really good athlete and he can do both well. Now, I've been leading the train of playing him at left tackle from day one. It, do Like you said, he might have a good idea. Is that do you know what that good idea is? Is it left or right? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you which one uh, that is. I was trying to get it out of you. <laughs> I know you were. But, here, I actually, but here's actually, and, and I'll have you answer this from like a personal, from a personal standpoint, not necessarily maybe of what AT wants, but from a personal standpoint, it's obviously very well known that left tackle is considered the second most important position in the game of football. It's most quarterbacks blind sides. And, you know, right behind quarterback, right behind quarterback, second most valuable position. So do you, you know, would, if it were you and if, and if it were you in AT shoes, would you think that it's almost like a, like a goal to have like, yes, I want to be the day one starting left tackle because I want to, because I am the best player to protect the blind side of my quarterback. Do you, do you think there's not, I want to call it an ego thing, but do you think that that's like a goal, like a goal to have and something to strive for, or is it just, I'm going to play wherever I'm told? Man, I think it's I think the goal should be you play anywhere on that line as long as you out there on that field. That should be the goal. That's the mentality I went into my rookie training camp with. I didn't care if it was left guard, left tackle. I knew that wasn't going to happen, but I'm just saying, you know, right guard, wherever that may be, I'm trying to be the starter week one, opening day, when they when they fly in the stealth bomber over, you know what I mean? And they got mm-hmm. the flag out and you know, and it's just lit in the stadium. That's what I was trying to do. And that should be every offensive lineman or any player that's trying to play in the National Football League. I mean, I mean, why are you trying to sit on the bench or why are you trying to be inactive? You know what I mean? Unless they tell you you have to be inactive, man, shoot for the stars. Try to be the starter. You know, that's what my dad told me on my way, my first training camp up here. He was like asking me, so how do you feel about your uh, prospects of, of making the team. And I said, well, you know, hopefully, you know, I can make the practice squad, you know what I mean? And, you know, he kind of looked at me and we was driving in my 94 Explorer, driving down 20, you know, <laughs> I think I have 20. one of those. Yeah, you know, I had a purple one. <laughs> Mine was green. Mine was oh, green. Oh, man, there you go. See? Hey, and 97, so we, though. <laughs> a 97 City years was a little bit newer. I had a, uh, you know, we were driving down Interstate 20 East. And he just told me, man, well, if you feel as though that that's all you can get, then we might as well turn around and go back to East Texas. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, if you're not trying to go up there and be the starter, then what are you going for? And so that as I sat there, it kind of made me have to, you know, like sit up and like, man, you know what? I was really playing myself thinking that that's all I'm good at. And I was only thinking that because I got picked in the seventh round, not knowing all the back behind the scenes stuff going on with that seventh round and why I fell to the seven. You know what I mean? But I was glad my dad, you know, said that to me and kind of put me in check, you know, and just made me like, man, yo, go up there and be the starter. Don't take no shit from nobody. Oops, excuse me. You're good. You're good. Don't take don't take nothing from nobody. You know, go out there and take you a job. That's what it's about. You got your foot in the door. What you going to do? Right. Right. Love that. We'll finish it off with this, and I want to ask you, besides Michael Vick, and maybe it's not Michael Vick, best football player you ever played with in your career? Played with or against? How about both, with with and against? Played with, that I played with. Oh, man, it's a few of them, bro. Like, I mean, you just mentioned Michael Vick. Of course, uh, 
Algie Crumpler, you know, when I went to San Diego, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, also in Atlanta. Who else did we have, man? You were in San Diego with Tomlinson? Were you there there with Roman Oban when he was there? No, no, no. That was a little bit before me. Okay, okay. Yeah, I actually played with the line that had had Chris Dillman at left guard and uh, Marcus McNeil and uh, Nick Hardwick at center. Yeah, we had a pretty good line out there. Okay. So who who's I'll ask you this since you play on the offensive line who was the best defensive lineman that you ever faced? It's a bunch of them. The best ones probably like Brian Young for the 49ers. Okay. Uh, he was number 97. Came out of Notre Dame. He was very good. That's who I happened to have to play against my first game. Gave up two sacks, but you know, hey, I learned from it. And it didn't crush me. I went into the offseason and, you know, it made me stronger and I came back a stronger and better player, you know, mentally and physically from that. You know, I heard Michael Strahan once say, hey, take your ass whooping like a man. So, hey, that's what I did. So shout <laughs> we out love to Michael Brian Strahan Young. quotes on the show. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. He's one of y'all's greats, man. Oh, yeah. Playing against Michael Strahan. You know, we played you guys up there a few times uh, or they came down here. Who else? Um, yeah, just say Strahan and you'll get on our on our listeners good side. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, you know, Strayhead was that guy, man. Hey, and you know what's funny is that everybody sees him on Good Morning America. He's a nice guy, you know what I mean? But oh, he was intense. He, yeah, on the field, man, he'll he'll man, he'll talk cash money is to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, we've heard the stories from whether it was John Runyon or whoever. He oh. he was a big time trash talker. Oh man, he's he out there talking mess cursing you out but then after the game <laughs> but then after the game he's cool because i know after the after the game i talked to him and asked him a couple little pointers or whatever hey man you know how can i and you know he was real cool and told me you know he had looked matter of fact i'll tell you the story check this out so in the game he bull rushes me which i didn't expect and so <laughs> when it was over with i asked him after the game i said hey man I ain't never seen you bull rush nobody in the past three, four games or whatever. What made you bull rush me, the guard? And he's told me that, well, I saw that uh, somebody had did this to you last year. And so that was like, dang, you looking at tape from last year? I said, okay, you know what? That's why you're, that's why you're good. That's why you great. You know what I'm saying? And so getting that bit of insight from him, that made me step my game up more. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, can't just look at, I was looking at four games. He's looking at 12 months before. Right. Yeah. Keenan, well, I appreciate you coming on. Make sure to go follow him at K4065. We'll make sure to share all your stuff. We'll share, you know, we'll share the uh, the performance center in, the, in our bio and stuff. Keenan, yes, man, it's, it's been a blast. I didn't get the left tackle quote out of you that I wanted, but it's been <laughs> fun, my brother. <laughs> hey man andrew's gonna do some good things man he's a good kid you guys will love him man he's real humble real quiet hardworking. new york city y'all uh y'all got y'all a good one man i'm and i'm and i'm happy for him Appreciate oh and it, i and i and i got an instagram i just got on instagram last night my kids got me set up man so i'm on instagram <laughs> f65 i'm gonna be one of your first followers jump on it? there f65 performance F65 Performance. Yes, sir. And it's got my name, Keenan Forney, on there. And, you know, of course, you just said Twitter, K4065. All right. I'm your 25th follower, man. So we'll, we'll we'll have to get that number up. We'll share you on our Instagram stories and all that stuff, man. Oh, nice. I see. I just saw you popped up, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Be good, Keenan. Oh, yeah. Y'all too, man. Thanks. Can somebody get me the analytics people on the phone right now? 
All right. Thank you, Keenan, for coming on. Make sure to go follow him. Please go follow him and give him a shout out. And we mentioned at the end, go check out the Instagram. I keep on getting notifications. I have I didn't mute my phone for this episode. <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday. We're going back to Tuesday, Friday next week. Um, what was supposed to be today's episode, we'll put out Tuesday. It was a really fun episode we did with uh, Snacks, who was your your uh, co-host on the Bleeding Blue podcast. So that was a that was a lot of fun, um, especially towards the end. So make sure to check that out. And then three more episodes we have to record before we get into training camp. Hopefully. Woo! Hopefully. And I think we might try and be a little more interview heavy in camp um, because it may not be preseason games. So, because also nobody is going to know what's going to be happening at camp, and we may have to rely we need on to people. Figure out access. <laughs> By the way, I'm trying to convince Justin to move down to Florida, and I don't say that jokingly. I think he really should move down here to Florida. You're, you're trying. You're trying to figure out a- a- access to training camp, but you want to remove the person who's living in New Jersey, who's Go closest to, camp. to the team. Once you get arrested, you be a. a, a a fugitive of the law and moved down to Florida. And I'll it run should. to Florida. There you go. Okay. I mean, that's how my father came down to Florida. So <laughs> um, probably around the same age as you. All right. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the July. Hopefully we'll get some baseball back soon or something. Go Yankees. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>